0: Is in session with Basketball You Welcome to your study time for the world of college hoops. Now, here are your professors Tyler Rocky and Shane Norley on ESPN 1000.
1: Basketball season has come to a close, and it was all UConn in the national championship. One of the most dominant runs we have seen in tournament history, and we're wrapping up a season. We are putting a bow on everything that was college basketball for the year here on Basketball U, the podcast edition. Tyler Rocky, and Shay Norling. Shay, it's no- all over. Another blowout in the national championship. That's now two in three years that we've seen. It looked like we were going to get three in three years with the way that UNC was rolling last year in the first half. Luckily for the consumer, though, Kansas had something to say about that. Unluckily for UNC, though, Kansas had something to say about that. But when you look at this tournament and what we saw out of UConn, all six victories— By 13 or more points. First time in tournament history that has ever been accomplished. Just the fifth time in tournament history that a team has won every single game by double digits. And I think you start to look at this and say, this was the most dominant tournament run
0: we have ever seen in the NCAA tournament. It's up there. And you know what's interesting is they're not one of the great teams in tournament history. Like, they don't come close to the undefeated Indiana team or some of the wooden teams mm-hmm. at UCLA, even some of the teams that didn't win. But like you look like at Gonzaga Kentucky, or Kentucky, yeah, yeah, the thirty-eight and one Kentucky mm-hmm. team. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they're anywhere close to those teams. But I kind of the way this tournament played out, they end up probably being the most dominant tournament team I've ever seen. Yeah, and that's almost. Boy, I I feel like I keep working Michigan State history into this. But in 2000, Michigan State won their final nine games of the season in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament all by at least nine points. Which kind of brings me back to UConn, not anywhere close to an all-time great team, but an all-time dominant run. So the other teams that accomplished that to win
1: every single game by 10 or more, they've all come in this century. It is your 2000 Michigan State team. It is 2001 Duke, 2009 UNC, and 2018 Villanova. And you think about all of those teams, and what do you think about dominance? And you just sort of have to lump UConn into that. Adama Sanogo, fantastic once again. Jordan Hawkins, he missed. he had one of the all-time missed dunks. I think, in basketball history. This is
0: incredible. But that dunk, the ball, I was surprised. So how is that not a backcourt violation? I was violation? thinking the
1: same thing. Maybe I just don't know ball enough to, to know that. Because I
0: like, I was thinking the same thing. If you yam the thing off the back iron so hard that it goes 80 feet the other direction and your teammates got to pull it out of the backcourt, that's a backcourt violation, yeah. right? Yeah, how was that not a backcourt how How is
1: it any different than you rifling it off the backboard and it ricocheting all the way? Is it because is it, it because hit the rim? It, yeah, it hits like, rim,
0: so it resets possession. Is that why? I don't know. What it an it, no that was just it was very interesting, and I guess it's because the shot clock resets; it's technically a new possession. But I thought if if you yam it off the back iron and miss, and it goes ninety feet the other way, let's call it an over and back. Yeah, I'm with
1: you on that one there. And listen. Uh, that takes away nothing from what Jordan Hawkins did in this tournament. Adama Sinogo, by the way, your, your most outstanding player of ha- the tournament.
0: Have you heard ever? This was fascinating to me last night as well. I know what you're about Time to say. Time on the clock. And Nance comes out with Adama Sinogo's most outstanding player. We usually oh. don't get it this early. Time mm-hmm. on the clock. I did not. I and did not even that, him. actually. Yeah, there, I think it was like 45 seconds left. Uh, San Diego State may have had the ball going up the floor, and they announcing Adama Sinogo as most outstanding player. Here, Here's where I thought you were going to go with that. How about the trophy
1: presentation at the end? I don't know if you stayed up late enough. You had an early morning today. Um, I didn't. I went to bed as soon as the game ended. The trophy presentation at the end was hysterical to me. The guy is screaming like he's announcing the champion at your local rib fest. You're handing out a national championship. That's like, fantastic. It was, he was it was the most enthusiastic I've ever heard a trophy presenter be. Like usually it's all buttoned up, commissioner this, commissioner yeah. that, all buttoned up, and they're handing the trophy over. Or the to, corpse of Terry Bradshaw. Yes. To Dan Hurley and the Yukon Huskies, their fifth national championship. No. This guy, he sounded like the the, the Puxatani Phil dude uh, uh, that Black and Della played. Hey, <laughs> like, hey,
0: you would have thought it was that. Why isn't it Nance? It should have been Nance handing the trophy over in his final, final four in Houston. I know it's not his preferred outcome probably, but you got to let Nance hand the trophy over. Did we get, I missed this, did we get one last uh, tie cut or did that stay dead as it died in 2016? No, I believe we did. I didn't see it, but I, I believe we did yeah we needed to make sure the finale for Nance was appropriate. There needed to be a tie cut there need he should have given the trophy over. It's not right. it should have been Jim Nance announcing that. I agree
1: I agree with you there.
0: I don't have a ton of opinion on the game mm-hmm. it Here's was
1: what I, yeah I, I have more like overarching
0: Yukon thoughts, yeah, I had like a big feel stupid moment because like last night i I like to talk a lot about not outsmarting yourself. don't overthink things, and we talked so much on the Sunday show about yeah, UConn's probably going to flatten this team. And then somehow I go contrarian at the end. Everybody's betting UConn. I don't want to be on that side. I'd like to be on San Diego State. So I take San Diego State plus 7.5, and and they did make it interesting for a moment Mm -hmm. when they made it a five-point game. But I felt like the fool because I felt all along like UConn was going to storm them, and they did. And here I am holding the side I didn't even really believe in. And the hindsight on that was just like, if you see the dominant team, if you see one of these great teams running through the tournament, just trust them. Yeah. Don't he, fool yourself.
1: Here's what I – have, I have a question for you about yesterday, too. At any point during the game, did you think San Diego
0: State had a chance to win? No. Not, not, even, even, li- not even the start. Neither did I. No, I texted you immediately at the start. I'm like, if we get a UConn pick, I'm going to bet it. Mm-hmm. Because I always I said, thought UConn was going to win. If it got to three, I would take it. Um no, I never really. Th- Even when they made it five and they had that 9 0 run, yeah. and it kind of felt like momentum was turning. Oh, boy, here comes San Diego State on the glass again. The Aztecs doing their thing, uh, causing turnovers. The defense is making noise. And I still was just like, every time this has happened, and it was a little bit like UConn Miami, where every time San Diego State got back in it, UConn said, go away. Yeah. We're just playing. A little, with little you. stiff arm to them.
1: And. and- it's not surprising, but I do think we still kind of got the the game that we expected to a degree. Like, I think we both thought that San Diego State was going to make a little push in the second half, and even though the final score doesn't indicate they made a little push, they did make that quote-unquote yeah. push in the second half, got it all the way down to
0: five, like you mentioned. The problem was, the, they really, they ran out of time, and they got into a situation where they had to start Actually, chucking threes. I, I would say this. There was too much time left. Maybe that, too. No, but, I, you know, like... When it's five minutes left and you're pressing and you get it to five points, Mm -hmm. but then UConn weathers it and hits you with another punch, Mm -hmm. and San Diego State, I I can't remember what player it was, but it it was a bit of a heat check. They hit the three to make it five. I think it was
1: Butler. It was Lamont Butler. It might have been
0: Butler. Come back up the floor and immediately go into a contested three. Don't even run any offense. Mm -hmm. Clanks. I thought that was probably the moment where – you needed to get a better possession out of that and instead you went for the contested three and you missed. And mm. now you're in real trouble because UConn scores again. They're gonna make you shoot threes where you aren't comfortable. I that's where I mean like they ran out of time because they just had to start chucking because the time they didn't have enough time to right. claw into it the slow way they like to. My moment was actually different. Mine was there was a one in one
1: it, the under-eight timeout, I believe it was, and they were down seven. They were just starting. They were making this push. They had just cut it to five, then UConn got a bucket the other way, and then San Diego State got fouled on the way back down, and then, boom, you get your under-eight timeout there. I believe it was Jaden Ladee, and he misses the front end of the one-and-one.
0: One. Yeah.
1: And that, that, to me, was like, all right, this is a, this is a wrap. They're not coming back. There's no chance they have to win this game.
0: Missed front ends always kind of feel like a, yes. a I mean, self-dagger.
1: They're, they're as good as a turnover. Yeah. Because you get the demoralization of missing freebies. It because it, it's you're going 0 for one, but you're really going 0 for two. Yeah. And that's the the crushing part of it all there. Um one of the other things that I, I wanted to point out during the the game as well. This is the the greatest thing in sports. All right. What I'm about to tell you. It's When you have these big neutral site games like this, right? You you've got all the fans down in Houston, but you sell out your arena. We saw it at the Viejas Arena in San Diego. We saw it at Gamble out out in stores. That is the greatest thing ever. I would, I almost would rather be at one of those than being at the actual
0: championship game. I think. Well, yeah, because then you're with fans. Right? It's awesome. You celebrate with your people.
1: Right? It is an 100 percent fandom attendance.
0: The Final Four seems a little Super Bowlish, where it's like the mm-hmm. corporate media event. Right. I mean, a- any sort of championship game is. Like, I went to the Big Ten championship in football, mm-hmm. and, I mean, obviously we went this year Big Ten tournament basketball, yeah. and it was a weighty Purdue crowd, but I wouldn't right. say it was overwhelming. And, like, the Big Ten tournament for football, if it's Ohio State, you're going to get three-quarters Ohio State because those people buy their tickets in right. August. But the other team, whoever it is, it's a lot of media and then like your little sliver of the stadium. Mm-hmm. And that's where if you're in a watch party and you've got 18,000 people watching the game with you, that's probably more fun.
1: Right. Whereas like when, when you're at one of those, you get 360 degrees of high fives when there's a big moment. Yep. Whereas when you're at uh, the actual game itself, you get, oh, right. Are, are you wearing it's the same colors as buddy. me? Are you wearing the same colors as me? Yeah. Like, well, what are we doing here? And maybe there's the neutral party there. Like, what fun is that? Um, but yeah, no, I I think I would rather be at the watch party. That's an
0: interesting take. I actually, okay, but what about this? Because this was a bit of controversy, uh, stemming from a national radio show over the weekend, Sandy, the Padres opened the stadium early so -hmm. that San Diego state fans could come in and watch their final four matchup against FAU. Uh, before the Padres game. So if you had tickets to Padre baseball, you didn't have to choose the event. You could go to the Padre game, watch the game the And it's in San Diego,
1: screen. so it's beautiful out no matter what.
0: The controversy came up because during lineup introduction, they had to move the game off of the big board into a smaller screen, and so people were being called fraud fans. If you want to be a San Diego State Aztec fan, you can't go to the Padre game and watch it there. You have to watch it someplace else. No,
1: for some I, I think we live in the era of there are so many ways to consume with a second screen, whether it's your phone. If you're at the Padre game, I'm sure on the concourse, there was a place to watch it. Um, I don't think you really had to pick for it. Maybe a choose. sports book. Or, or not
0: in California.
1: Yeah. I,
0: I, I would, Oh, that's true. Yeah.
1: Um, but I would say that there were there were ways to do it if you really wanted to. Um so you couldn't, you didn't necessarily have to pick and choose. I think people made it out that you had to pick and choose. I don't think that was really the case there. I
0: never think that's the case. Yeah.
1: I mean, you and I were so accustomed to the – you can
0: watch four or five
1: things at once.
0: I grew up in the generation where you have to consume four pieces of media at the same time to avoid having a thought. So <laughs> that's – I'm very used to being able to multitask. Yeah. All right. Uh, getting back to to the
1: UConn run here, though. I, here's the one thing that's going to be odd. With this UConn team and how we're not we may not remember this one, even though it is probably the most dominant run of all time, but like there's no signature moment from this run.
0: Well that's in part, and I talked about this on Sunday. There's no Kemba Walker on this team. Right. There's no Shabazz they, Napier on this team. And quite, quite
1: frankly, team. you never needed it.
0: No, and uh Damasonogo's great, but He's not really, like, a flashy player. He's not
1: going to be a great NBA player. He may not even play in the NBA. He's
0: a fundamental college big that does Mm. things right. Like, it's the same thing with, um, what's his nuts? The the guy's name is the other big. The seven-one guy. The on what team? On UConn. Oh, Donovan Klingon. Yes, Klingon. I couldn't think of the name. Mm. No, it's the same thing with Klingon, Watching him last night, and it's like, this guy, I don't really, I don't know if he's a pro player. He does everything Mm. well and dominates with his size in college, but... It's a lot of the like fundamental style of basketball. There's nobody flashy. There's nobody taking over games. Like even Jordan Hawkins had a great tournament, mm-hmm. was there a moment where he was like, yeah, I'm going to dominate this game. I'm taking You never needed to. There were his moments.
1: They all came in like the first 10 minutes of the game where he gets he gets going. He's yeah. up and like he has like three straight shots that don't even come close to touching the rim. Like those are his moments and those don't go down in in the history book but you need those to have the dominance of a run that they had.
0: Part of why this isn't going to be memorable is because they never needed those moments. They were so dominant that it was like, it's why I think a lot of the big ones that you mentioned, like the 2000 Michigan State, title, I don't think is super memorable because mm-hmm. they just stomped everyone. Yeah, This 2023 UConn, I don't think is going to be super memorable because they stomped everybody. And it's not like they didn't have to slay a dragon. There was no blue blood threat on the other yeah. side that they had to take out. There was no Jim or Fredette going crazy. They didn't mm-hmm. have a Kemba Walker that was leading like an under team, not even under a team that wasn't that good mm-hmm. and just getting hot in the tournament and taking right. them all the way. I think of those... Games Or of those teams
1: that I mentioned that won every single game by double digits, the only one that you probably remember is 2018 Nova because it's the second in three years, and Dante DiVincenzo put on an absolute yeah. show in
0: the first half of the National He was that guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... And-
1: Th- that was the only memorable one of those five, I would say.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, the, the, But again, like that title game, I don't think back on fondly of because I knew going in, Michigan's going to get stomped. They're going to get destroyed. Like they're just not on the level of this Villanova team. Yeah. That happens. The years that there's a buzz, a buzzsaw, saw, 9 UConn, I don't really remember that because th- they were so good. And so that's where that one falls by the wayside for me. Um not to take anything away from UConn. It's just the nature of this tournament. Right.
1: And uh, I think one of the most impressive things is not just the run and the dominance, but kind of the path too. specifically the coaches. They yeah, went up. I against. saw you tweet this and you look at who Dan Hurley took. Didn't just take down thoroughly kick the asses of en route to a national championship. You've got Rick Patino in round one hall of famer next coach at St. John's, um, One of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time and a national champion in his own right as well. That's who you get in round one in your 4 13 matchup. Seems a little unfair there, but they overcome and they blow out Iona in that game. Second round, Randy Bennett, a five time WCC coach of the year and a fifth seeded St. Mary's team. Blow the doors off of them in the second half. Third round, you get Eric Musselman, who's got a pair of Sweet 16s and is coming off a string of back to back Elite Eights. He's been fantastic in a very young coaching career there, boom, kill, kill Arkansas. Round after that was uh, Gonzaga, the number one offense in the country going up against Mark Few, who's been to national championships, he's been to multiple Final Fours, he's been... Eight straight, sweet 16s. He's probably the most dominant coach without a title. Probably. It's like him and Guy Lewis are like the two most dominant coaches without a title, and... You blew the doors off of them. Then you got Jim Laranaga in the Final Four, a guy who's now taken two different programs to a Final Four. And then you get in the championship game, not to take anything away from Brian Dutcher, but probably the least qualified of all of them. Yeah. Um, and that's not to take anything away from him. He brought his team to a damn national championship, right? Yeah. But in terms of the, the rest of the guys that he had beaten so far, the least accomplished of them all, but still a very good coach in his own right, and he blew the doors off of him in the
0: national championship. What is it? I mean, maybe it just kind of tells you Dan Hurley is next. Like, I I kept looking around this tournament, and outside of Izzo, who was the coach that's like, and Patino, who was the coach that's like, that's the storied guy? You know, there was no Beheim, There was no Roy. There was no Kay. Um, Those guys are gone. Bill Self didn't coach Kansas. Right. So none of those guys were in this tournament, and it kind of now feels like, boy, Dan Hurley took everybody out. Maybe he's next. Maybe he is the next Kay or Roy or one of those types of guys.
1: And now it gets into the conversation of, is UConn a blue blood? For me, they've always been a blue blood when you talk about the the history of college basketball, and now – they are tied with Duke and Indiana for the most, or for the, was it, fourth most championships yeah. in NCAA history, and that is damn good company to be a part of right there.
0: Well, people talk about it, too, and we did this on the morning show today, if you heard that. Um, they people talk about needing, like, the historic mm-hmm. longevity because UCLA did it all back in the 50s and 60s, right. and it's like, well, you don't call San Francisco a blue blood. Right. And... you my thing is this Duke gets blue blood title because of K people forget Duke never won a title before 91 K got to a dead program and turned it into the juggernaut that we know it is today. And everybody calls them a blue blood, which by the way, I think is also a very young term. It's not like people were calling these schools, blue bloods in the eighties. They just weren't. Now we have the blue bloods of college basketball. Duke started in 91. UConn starting in 98 and having the same number of titles, they're both bluebloods to me. Yes,
1: exactly. And I think when you get to a certain point, a certain threshold, too, like, it just is a blue blood. Like, when you're at five titles now, like, it doesn't matter if those five titles came in five straight seasons. And maybe or two
0: came over the course of history. Two of them were miracle runs yes. in Kemba and Shabazz Napier, but the other three were kind of dominant. Yes, so like
1: you look at 04 with Emeka Okafor, Ben Gordon, like that's a dominant team right there. And that that's like one of your the I won't say all-time great college basketball teams, but that is a great college basketball team and a deserving champion right there
0: yeah so i uconn to me
1: is absolutely a blue blood yes I, i'm with you on that conversation there's really not much debate that i would put into to that one right there and so i saw this this was from adam zagoria now since 1999 now uconn has five titles and that would be more than every other conference not team conference no
0: other school even has in four that
1: span Except for the ACC and Big East, and you got to remember, four of the, the Big East's eight in that span are coming from this UConn team. UConn, of course, winning the other one in the AAC, but you've got the ACC and Big East, each with eight apiece. UConn's got five. And then the SEC's got three, Big 12 has three, Big 10, American, each with one, and then the Pac-12 shut out since 99.
0: So You think of the dominance that, like, and I get that there's the lean years, you spend 10 seasons on the couch, Mm -hmm. but when the other 15 include five championships, no other school in the last 25 years even has four. UConn has five. That's it. How could you discount the dominance that they've had as a school? Like... That's where we had this conversation also on the Sunday show. Would you rather be Gonzaga or UConn? Mm -hmm. UConn. I don't care if I got to spend every other season on the couch. I'm getting five titles in 25 years. UConn. Dude, being irrelevant in March is one of the
1: worst feelings. It is one of the emptiest feelings, and it's a feeling that you don't know. One day you will understand what it is like to be irrelevant. and Maybe you won't.
0: Maybe you'll I, never understand. One day I hope I understand what it's like to win a title, too. Oh, boy. Um,
1: all right, so any last thoughts from this guy? I do have a list of the most memorable moments of the tournament. I know you want to guess some of that list as well. Yeah, I
0: don't have a list because I've been mm-hmm. f- kind of open that I don't think mm-hmm. there are a ton of memorable moments from this tournament. Um, if I had to guess, how many do you have? Let's see. I I initially said I'm
1: going to make this a list of five, but then my brain started going, I'm like, okay, there's a lot more. So I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven.
0: I would bet nine of the eleven happened in the uh, first weekend. Uh, you're... Actually... No. You are actually very off on
1: that. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. so if I had to think... Here's why. I was looking back on it. This Sweet Sixteen... Was probably one of the best we've ever that is, seen.
0: The Sweet 16 was excellent. Was, like, one of the best we've seen. Everything after the Sweet 16 was less excellent. Mm-hmm. But uh, So I would guess the must-bust popping his top after beating Kansas is on yes, there. Yes,
1: that is actually, that is last on my list
0: of 11. Um, The buzzer beater, San Diego State, Lamont Butler. That is, is number two. On the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... The end of UCLA-Gonzaga. Yes, the strawler shot is, what is that, number nine. Um,
1: you want me to just run through the list for you? Or you boy, I want to say I say the Tyson. You're missing the biggest one. That, well, FDU beating Purdue. Yes, that is number one.
0: I, I want to say the Tyson Walker shot to force overtime, but the overtime was so bleh.
1: Well, so I have the Kansas State-Michigan State overtime game. Okay. I've got that at number eight, right ahead of the strawler shot. Because that game was... I it was an nev- unbelievable game. I will never forget where I was for that game. Like, the two of us, we were at Tin Lizzie watching it among Michigan State fans. Like, I will never forget that.
0: Yeah, that was, that was an unbelievable game. Mm-hmm. Um, what else happened? Like, I'm now I'm thinking, I know there's big upsets. So, Arizona losing to Princeton. Yes, that is... What do we got there?
1: Six. Which, like, think about that. A 15 beating a 2, and that's number 6 on my list. Well,
0: it like, to me, it's, it's almost... Now
1: it's, now it's becoming a thing. And it, I guess, like, Princeton making the run to the Sweet 16 as well. Like, it's now happened in three straight years where a 15's gotten to at least the Sweet
0: 16. And there's a little bit lacking there in, uh, it, like, it wasn't a buzzer beater that Princeton right. won on. You mm-hmm. knew with five seconds kinda left. kind of won on bad basketball. Yeah, they, they won because Arizona <laughs> played horribly. Because other teams horribly. played poorly, yeah. So th- speaking of a team winning because Arizona played f- horribly, I imagine Furman is on this list. Yes, Uh Kihei and Kihei Clark, Clark in losing the worst his worst in
1: NCAA tournament history. Um, That's
0: the dumbest moment, not only of this tournament, but maybe of any tournament, is Kihei Clark with a timeout in his pocket, throwing the ball yeah. away.
1: The only dumber moment I can think of is the Chris Webber not having a timeout in his pocket. And, and thinking he did. And thinking he did. Um, but that is number five on my list. The all right,
0: A and- Clark is bizarro Chris Webber. It's the, <laughs> like, perfect opposite yeah. of that event. Um, all right, the, here's the rest of my
1: list. So uh, my number 11 I, I mentioned was that. My number 10 was Houston and Bama losing within an hour of each other. Like, I remember that. I'll remember that for Sitting a while. Sitting in I the studio downstairs. Yes. I mean, and we, we're just we, watching them both die. We were the, the, jinx, the ultimate jinx for all of the one seats it felt like along the way. Um, But Houston and Bama, that's everyone's final four. That's a lot of people's national championship game. That's a lot of people's champions. And they both go down within an hour of each other and and really just kind of get the doors blown off of them as well during that, too. So that is my number 10. I mentioned the Strawler shot at nine. K-State, Michigan State, OT game um, at eight. My number seven, the Miami comeback against Texas. Okay. I'm gonna remember that one for a long time because Isaiah that, Wong? that Elite Eight game was great. Jordan Miller with a perfecto in that game as well, did not miss a single
0: shot. You know what I'm surprised is not at the top of your list? FAU getting fucked by Memphis. By the refs well, against or so, Mem- excuse me. Memphis um, this, getting fucked by the refs against FAU. That kind of has a twist. It's coming in a
1: little bit later. Um six I mentioned, Princeton over Arizona. Uh five, Kihei Clark Furman. Four is just UConn being dominant all tournament long. Um, and just the, the history that we saw there, my number three is FAU's final four run, which does include them Memphis getting, getting absolutely fucked. fucked. Like, <laughs> like I'll never forget. Like they should not have been in the final four because three different things happened. One, the guy probably got fouled. Two, that was the quickest trigger jump ball call I've ever seen in my life. There were two and three, timeouts called. Yes, that as well. So I, I found that to be a little absurd. But, hey, um, if it meant FAU having that sort of run, I, I think I'm cool with it.
0: Now, here's the flip side because th- this is the butterfly effect of the NCAA tournament. Does Memphis tournament? get to the Final Four? Right.
1: I think they could have.
0: I think they would have. I
1: Yeah, I, I think they certainly could have because – the path sort of set itself up. They, I I think they have, they're not nearly as well coached as FAU, but they probably have more talent on their team than FAU.
0: Yeah, and it felt like Penny was getting the boys, finally their feet mm-hmm. were under them. They won the AAC. They were going to have to go through this kind of gauntlet. We all knew what it was. Getting FAU was a horrible mm-hmm. draw. That's how fickle this tournament is, is like... I can sit here, and I'm an idiot. I don't know. I'm probably totally wrong. But I can sit here and tell you if there's an eyelash difference in time that it took to signal jump ball in that game, Memphis went to the Final Four instead of FAU. And maybe even went to the championship And if it's Memphis, maybe they beat San Diego State. And Mm -hmm. maybe they give you a game against UConn.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's a complete butterfly effect, but it it certainly is something that you could think about with this tournament. And then the Lamont Butler buzzer beater, my number two, and then FDU beating Purdue is my number one. So, the biggest upset in tournament history. Any last thoughts on the tournament before we get on out of here? Jim Nance, final tournament.
0: It's going to be weird not having him.
1: It it will be. uh, Yes, it definitely... I think my my overarching... One of my biggest memories of uh, March Madness and, and... this college basketball season this year is going to be you
0: telling Jim Nance that Houston was a dead team walk-in. <laughs> I believe, forgot about that. At the Big Ten tournament. At the Big Ten tournament. And, and Jim Nance in borderline hysterics asking me, of all people, about the severity of Mark, Marcus Sasser's injury and me telling him, your team's your team's fucked, Jim. Sorry about it. I was right in the end. Bring
1: out, jaden
0: and you, yes, you were right. Who are we getting on the final four next year? Ion? is it our boy? It's Ion, yes. Oh, that, you know what, Jim, I'm sorry. <laughs> you had to, you had to leave so that our guy could get in there. We can, we can definitely put
1: Ion on the show next year too. I'll, I'll promise that to people right now. That's big time. So, um, oh, uh, before we get out of here, I have placed my first national championship future for
0: next year. Syracuse. I, yes. Because you think you're getting Hunter Dickinson, 130 to one right now on Fanduel. Did you see John Rothstein's uh, I'll say this. top ten?
1: I, I did see it. And I saw Goodman's as well. Um last year I placed a future two days after the national championship and it was Alabama at twenty eight to one. And it ended up like looking like it had some good legs for much of the season and Yeah, and you had Creighton too. And I had Creighton, but that was a preseason bet, um at forty to one. But yeah. Um I had Alabama at twenty eight to one and
0: I, I nearly Walked away with it. So let, before we wrap, put a bow on uh, Basketball U for this season, let's run through this uh, John Rothstein's top ten anyway. I haven't seen mm-hmm. Goodman's yet. But UConn won, no debate. If they bring back a lot of pieces, yeah. And even if they don't, like... They're going to go in the portal again think, and do what
1: they did. I really think Donovan Klingon could be like a Zach Eady type for next year, where he's just dominant. And he, he was a... a Character, a role player the year before, but then he takes the leap into his sophomore, or I guess his next season, and becomes this dominant, dominant player.
0: Uh, Purdue, too, no debate. Uh, Yeah, as long as ED returns, yeah. And he is, apparently, Mm -hmm. because he dunked Dan Dockage through the earth's core. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he could still declare for the draft. That feels unlikely at this point. Mm -hmm. Miami, three. Maybe a little debate, but Jim Laranega is going to hit the portal again. They'll yeah, buy another they'll team. they'll buy
1: another team. And, like, we say buy, and it sounds like there's uh, a negative connotation. There's not. Like, no,
0: more teams should do that. Yes, you should do it. Marquette, four?
1: I actually may move Marquette up because they're bringing everyone yeah. back. They're bringing the band back. and like The biggest can, problem
0: is Shaka is included in that. Right,
1: yes. Um, but, like, Shaka's fantastic in the regular season. And when we're talking about the polls, we're talking about a regular season award. He won Coach of the Year. And I think... Um, Like, he certainly was deserving of being the coach of the year this year.
0: So, regular because it's a regular season award. How about the Big E-stone in the top five? Creighton five? Yeah, because they're probably going to bring everyone back. It's unreal. Six, UCLA, Mick Cronin. They're going to lose some pieces there. Yeah, but, but, you know, it's Mick Cronin. I like what he's I done there a lot. I got a pretty good recruiting class coming It in feels the like their program is back. Yes. Not maybe back, but, like, b- where it was – not in the dark ages. Yes. We're we're back to UCLA being a power, a bit like Michigan mm-hmm. in football. Seven, Michigan State, I think is about right given the recruiting class. Yes. And if Tyson Walker comes back, maybe we even bump them up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, eight, Alabama. Feels like mm. you're going to lose a lot. They're going to lose a lot. They're gaining a lot.
1: But you're not gaining a Brandon Miller.
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the issue I for me. I would probably
1: bump them out of the top 10, maybe even top 15.
0: I wonder if more questions come up about Nate Oates as we move through this offseason. When mm-hmm. you think about, what I think it's something like 40% of his team is connected to being involved in a murder. Yeah. like I do not wonder great. if more uh, questions it's... come up. Nine, yeah. Florida Atlantic, feels a bit ridiculous. But I've... they're bringing everyone back. And if anything, Dusty like, May is going to return. Like here is so. the
1: thing to it with Florida Atlantic. Let's say they run back the regular season, do the same exact thing in the regular season. What, what was it like thirty one and three in the regular season? Yeah, that was good. And if they played the same exact opponents, like that was good enough to get them a nine seed this year. That's getting them like a two or a three next year. Maybe even AAC. a one. Well, they'll have 3-season well, they, yeah, pedigree. Be, yes. They'll be in the AAC. But even if they are, even if they do, did play another Conference USA schedule. Like, if they do what they did and now have the pedigree behind it, like you said, they're a 1-3 through three seed well, well, with what was that it? resume.
0: Wichita State made the run to the Final Four as an 11, mm-hmm. and then the following season played a, the same schedule. Mm-hmm. And they and made it as like, one. A, yeah. They, and then they lost to Kentucky. Yeah, well, they mm-hmm. there you go. That's going to be FAU's future. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then 10 Arizona. Ten Arizona, yeah, like it makes sense. I, think I there's t-
0: nobody I'm fighting to get into the top ten. No, there.
1: probably not. And, and like we'll see some some portaling done, and uh, but no
0: Duke, right? No Duke, despite having the second best odds to win the title next year.
1: I would actually, I yeah, that's that that's my one gripe that I'll I'll well, hand out there.
0: What I would say is maybe J- they think John Shire or John Rothstein. They mm-hmm. John Rothstein sh- thinks John Shire struggles a little bit ingratiating his freshman. Uh, we saw that this year. It took a while for everybody to kind of meshing it together. But I think part of that was... But Tyrese Proctor's coming back. Right. I think part of that was,
1: too, like, they had a lot of injuries and illnesses and, like, people in and out of the lineup wasn't necessarily Shire's fault, per se. Yeah. It was It was more that you had all this in and out, and because of injury, you had some difficulties as a result of that.
0: I think the other thing we're seeing, too, Tyler, when you look at the favorites here, to win... The title next year. I know we're so far out, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. This to me speaks a little bit to the future of this sport and how we think it might be trending more towards being wide open and the seating not mattering so much mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament. The odds for UConn to win the national championship next year, they are the favorite. Yeah. 11 to 1.
1: Hmm. I that's, don't
0: like that. That's where you, they're the favorite at 11 to 1. That's where you see the parity that's coming into this sport, where the favorites 11 to one Duke has the second best odds at 13 to one. And then you've got three schools in Arizona, Alabama, and Kentucky splitting third best at 15 to one. Yeah. Usually these numbers are in like the eights. Well, just I'll contextualize it a little bit with what college football looks like. And I understand that's a totally different deal but the favorite in college football is plus 220 and the next best is 5 to 1 we're talking about college basketball having an 11 to 1 uh, favorite for next season yeah that's where this sport the middle has risen and the top has maybe fallen so much with NIL and the transfer portal and the uncertainty well because i mean college basketball is the hardest sport in all of sports for the best team to actually win the championship. Well, and it's what we've talked about, like with your team, is if Hunter Dickinson goes to Syracuse, congrats your preseason top ten.
1: Yes. They they already have one transfer. Here, here's a team that actually I just stumbled upon that may be worth playing right now. All right. Because there's there could be news in the next week or two that will drastically shift the odds here. USC at 45 to 1. They have the number one player in the country, Isaiah Collier, coming in. And they are on the very, very, very short list of Bronny James as well. When Bronny James, if he does end up committing to USC, I think it's USC, Oregon, and Ohio State, I want to say, are the three. If he commits to USC, 45 to 1
0: becomes 20 to 1. Now, what was the news that I saw break the other day about the NBA working very fast to change the age restriction? I thought it got shot shot down, didn't it? Is that what it was? I think it did, yes. I Because I saw it from Woj. I didn't click into it. Uh, I haven't been super invested in the NBA this year with the way the Bulls have been. And my Celtics were either too dominant for me to care or now in the second half, yeah. too lousy for me to care. So, um, no, I was just wondering because if Bronny goes straight to the NBA, then that changes things, too. But you're right. If they get Bronny James, I mean, there's so much uncertainty when you look around this board. Michigan State having one of the best recruiting classes in Izzo's history. Yeah. Kentucky bringing in five top 20 hey, players.
1: Michigan State 20 to 1. Kind of tasty right there.
0: Oh, well, you talked about Syracuse where 150 to 1. 100, and it, yeah,
1: 130, I, I see right here.
0: And if the transfers go the way that we think they could, that number could end up being something more like 20 to 1. Yeah. So
1: it's all about trying to find out some value here. So we're just trying to get ahead of this for next year for everyone. All right. It's been fun. We'll do it again next year. Cannot wait. College basketball. Seven more months until we get to do this again, Shay. Seven more months.
0: Unbelievable. Are we going to do anything throughout the offseason? We can. Uh, I'm, always off-season con- I'm always down for a little offseason Why the fuck not?
1: I'm always down for a little offseason content. All right. We'll, we'll try to make it happen for you. All right. It's been fun. We will talk to you hopefully soon. Appreciate everyone for tuning in and hanging out with us on Sundays and on the podcast. And we'll hopefully talk to you all soon.